exciting story we've done so far at least for me that is liberace <laughs> part three definitely the most unique story we've it, done so far unique. this has been a wild one there is juice on it is it's juicy and i love it great material yes. as i <laughs> was pick. writing this outline i was thinking about just how unique this story truly is because for every other artist we've covered and this is beethoven included we've been able to say this is uh why he or they wrote this way so when they were upset with something maybe their albums were more angry or when they were more sad their albums were a little bit more melancholy or their peaches or what have you no Liberace's not like that at all because he did the exact same show for 50 years and so shit about that shit so it was so really this is just us just telling fun anecdotes about Liberace's life for yes. for 10 hours and it's real fun we're having a great time talking about how rich he is Yes. Yeah. That's really all that this is about. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get into Liberace Part 3. So when we last left Liberace, he had just won his libel case against the Daily Mirror, where he testified in court that he was in fact not gay, he had never been gay, and he would never be gay. And while this was a victory for him in 1959, it would cause some major issues later on. Imagine for a moment... If you will, <laughs> you're accused of being the worst tipper in the world, the worst tipper that has ever lived. And so to save your reputation, you take a claim to court and assert that on the contrary, there has never been a better tipper than you. And you win that case. From now on, you start tipping below 40 percent. Boom. <laughs> perjury. Your ass is locked up, man. That's what we're looking at here. <laughs> you know, only one difference, you know, Liberace, he, he died straight. So he's a straight guy. <sighs> That's true man yeah i'm just i'm just putting it in perspective i yeah, mean you're, you're right you're totally right too though <laughs> he died yeah legally straight ah, so legally. even beyond the case his career was seeming to take something of a downturn his television show had been canceled his movie career was doa and while his live show was still spectacular there was nothing truly new happening with it if someone had seen one liberace show They'd seen every Liberace show. He definitely hit a bit of a plateau at this point. It was kind of like we said in the last episode, but on a much larger scale. Like if you saw Liberace perform once and just had a terrible hankering to experience it again, you just turn on the TV and watch a rerun. Yeah. Like, hell, you could watch that rerun five or six times. You just flip through the five or six channels (laughs) that are there. Yeah. And I mean, that's not. Uh, that's not to say that people didn't go back and watch Liberace's show more than one time because even if you'd seen it, it was still a spectacular show. It was still funny. It was still, he's still an incredibly talented piano player, but 
you you go back expecting the exact same show. You don't go back. One trick pony. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he does this trick extremely well. Very, yes, very good at that trick. It got so bad that in 1957 he was booked for a four week run in New York, but the turnout was so low they had to shut the show down after just two weeks. It kind of reminded me for some reason of the uh, Nickelback tour back in 2014. They they were like at the point where they're tr- like begging for people to come to their shows and i remember seeing a bunch of like negative articles like is nickelback gonna have to pay people to come to their shows and they were kind of right oh i would i would go if i got paid i would go now when when was the whole like rock dilemma you remember when someone threw a rock at chad kroger and the whole freaking band walked off and the drummer threw up the birds i feel like it was pretty close to this time like 2014 i think it was yeah that yeah. was in a different country. Poor guys. <laughs> they didn't put just... they didn't put up with them like we have. <laughs> <laughs> our, our tolerance, yeah. Our tolerance is so high. I love them. <laughs> we love you, Ethan. <laughs> and many of Liberace's tour dates were in smaller towns and smaller venues. Cities like New York, LA, Chicago, and even Las Vegas seemed to no longer be interested in him. You gotta, you gotta find the opportunities in those small niche venues. It might pay out. We're gonna do the exact same thing. Our first tour, we aren't hitting <laughs> cities bigger than three thousand people. We're oh, only God, gonna, no. we're only gonna be performing in city halls and uh, <laughs> and just like halls. on street corners. It's gonna be really American sad. Legions, American Legions. Yeah, we'll oh put yeah, some yeah, ham all vets. the ham vets. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we're got, we're actually gonna open for a metal band. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> A podcast open for the metal They will ask to borrow our, our PA, though. Oh, no. Yeah, no, we'll have to bring our own PA. Yeah, you have to bring your own. I'll bring my cymbals, too, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> you Some drummer will need them. <laughs> <laughs> On top of that, he was having some sibling issues with his youngest brother, Rudy, who he had actually gotten a job at Warner Brothers during his time there as an editor. Just a fun little tidbit that ties into everything we've been talking about recently on our news episodes. Rudy worked for Warner Brothers, but eventually took another position at MGM, which is a giant in the movie industry Mm -hmm. and one of the few that has not been taken over by one of the big three. Maybe. (laughs) Like, you can find plenty of articles saying... That Warner Brothers bought them in 2020. Oh, God. But it's all being kept quiet due to God. the current interest in antitrust laws. All they oh, got, God. bees. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to look into that and uh, report back on the next news episode whether or not that is true in our. A lot opinion. of articles saying it happened. A lot of articles saying it's still happening. I don't know. Which one's funded by the Warner Brothers? Which one's funded? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, for the, look for the one that says, no, no, no. We, I mean, they didn't buy them for sure no well gripes all typed in there, yeah. damn it <laughs> there he's in dragon uh rudy was getting blackout drunk and causing scenes and getting arrested time and time again and actually he ended up dying from his drinking in 1957 which devastated liberace every article i could find either said natural causes or fatty metamorphosis of the liver every crumb to this story has two sides you know very fun. Many people throughout history have definitely not died of a drug overdose. Then their estate paid off a coroner to get a more favorable autopsy result. That definitely has never happened. And God damn it, let me just go ahead and say, X, gonna give it to you. Rest in peace, DMX. R.I.P., buddy. Not related at all the to the, Ethan, fresh, the, the sentence man. that Ethan said. Uh, oh my God. Uh, anyway, 
And then there was George, who was upset about his brother's lifestyle and how he was lying to the public so fervently while doing the exact opposite of what he said in private. Someone needed to sit George down and explain how hefty a perjury fine really is. <laughs> Wasn't he the one trying to explain it to Lee? I mean, but he, he should have just laid off Lee and just, like Lee, like Lee should have been like, you know, if people find out about this, oh, I'm going to get it. We're yeah. all fucked then. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. George, you were yeah. only successful because of me. Like, dude, <laughs> right, yeah, lay you don't, off. <laughs> hey, buddy, you're biting the hand that feeds here. Exactly. God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually got so bad that George and Lee had a very bad falling out. And George ended his time as Lee's music director and did not speak to Lee for many years. And Lee can hold a grudge like no other, like sensational grudge holder. He's very good at it. Yes. <laughs> He's very good at most yep. things he does and holding yeah. grudges is one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He did end up buying another house down in Palm Springs, Florida, where he could be a little bit more open about his private life, as no one batted an eye at the lifestyle down there. And Liberace had a shade of anonymity in the area. Florida gets a bad rap, but when you're living there, it really seems like other people's business is just so off your radar. I'm convinced that in Palm Springs, your only concern is the tide, honey. I I think deep in their exposed body global warming is stressing them out like a little bit like with the hurricanes maybe nah you guys don't get it you've never been to florida there's two things the gators they worry them but the meth brings them back down ah that's it keeps them (laughs) wait i don't know if that science checks out well i thought the crack took you up yeah i don't I don't know. <laughs> Ethan, I do also want to say Who's that to even say? to your point, the hurricanes are frightening, but that's the tide, baby. Tide. <laughs> that's, so. Yeah, it's like technically blowing back to the technically tide. Technically, that is a rising tide. You're right. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, meth is an upper, not a downer. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does. You do crash, though. You're right. You're kind of right. Well, eventually, I suppose. Yeah. If you're, if <laughs> and you that's when the gators get long game after three days here, yeah. <laughs> the gators are waiting for you. <laughs> Oh, anyway, he was supposed to make a grand comeback after the trial ended through Australia and was planning to play a melody of My Fair Lady, the the play My Fair Lady, but was told that he could not do it because the copyright for the musical had not been released outside the United States. And Liberace was so mad by this that he demanded the whole tour be canceled, but he agreed to continue with the tour after seeing how mad his Australian audience had gotten at this uh, claim. I kind of got a bit of a chuckle, like imagining the types of things like angry old spinsters in australia would sound finding out that they wouldn't get to see their beloved liberace because i'm assuming they kind of had the same relationship that the american spinsters had with him oh buddy they all had their boomerangs ready to go yeah (laughs) (laughs) catch him i'm i'm just really playing off just the most basic stereotypes of every every area And it's not it's not a safe place to be. I'm not in a good headspace right now, apparently. Oh my god. I kinda love it though. <laughs> uh, still feeling uh, a little so nihilistic. while he was on tour, he played the pieces from My Fair Lady anyway and was quickly slapped with a whopping $450 fine. He was hit with a court order banning him from playing songs from My Fair Lady and uh I broke down and paid for a subscription to New York Times so that I could read a five-paragraph article that basically offered no more information than that, with the exception of a quote from Justice McClellan of New South Wales. 
uh, saying Liberace, who is regarded by some Ooh. as a pianist and entertainer of international repute, spoke more like a petulant child than a responsible adult. Oh. McClellan is laying in. She yeah. is mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, New South Wales, Australia, that was a place for criminals. So she probably came from like an Irish serial killer. We don't know if it's a woman. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're right. Almost almost positive <laughs> no, it's well, a man. Then it could be. <laughs> could be. <laughs> yeah. Could be a man, but yeah. That's fine. But yeah, you're right. That's where we sent the comic. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, just a fact. I feel comfortable with my boomerang comment now with that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Scathing. Indictment. Oh no. cover dirt right on it. I got you. I got you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so with his career headed down, his lawyer John Jacobs tried to get Liberace to cut off what he thought was some of the fat of the organization. Oh yeah, and Liberace called the court order banning him from playing the song "Communistic." <laughs> He, he says communistic, but it actually sounds more capitalistic because protecting someone's copyright on a song seems, Man. you know. Two sides of the same coin, just depending on how you want to see the argument. It's true. Hmm. Unfortunately. I so don't I don't even care about it. <laughs> All right. So he told Liberace <laughs> that he was paying his manager, Seymour Heller and Sam Lutt, too much with their cut coming in at 10% of everything that Liberace made. Uh, was Seymour the one that was played by Dan Aykroyd? Yes. Okay. That's, nice. That's Seymour Heller. Nice. You got it. Yeah, John told him to cut them out of the picture, and he, John, would be Liberace's manager instead. He first tried to renegotiate the contracts with Seymour and Sam from 10% down to 7.5%, which they flat out refused. So they split up. John thought that he should attempt to get Liberace back on television doing a daytime variety show, wearing not his sparkly outfits that he was becoming known for, but a simple, straight, black suit. That seems like a bad idea. I mean, you gotta let that peacock fly. <laughs> it's a very bad idea. It blows up right in their face. Yes. Yeah, he would bring on guests, he would do little bits with them, and then, of course, he would play his pieces on piano complete with the candelabra. The show went on for about six months and then it was cancelled. Audiences did not like the toned-down Liberace, and there was too much competition with other shows of the same type airing at the same time. So the audience got bored of Liberace doing the same thing and then hated when he switched up the format? That doesn't sound fucking familiar at all. <laughs> it's like a definitive reoccurring theme through like the history of music. I mean, we miss your old stuff, but also don't do anything different because we're going to hate it if you do. It's just the old damned if you do and damn. We're bo bored of your old stuff, but don't do anything different. God. <laughs> Stupid. It's all dumb. It's, uh, maybe Liberace isn't so different. Wow. Cheers. So... So the steps he thought were going to get him out of his professional rut had only seemed to hurt him more. And while his career was hurting, Liberace was spending money just as fast as he could make it, with him deciding to buy a new mansion. This one on Harold Way, a little ways away from the Sunset Strip. Pulled it up on the old Google Maps, solid 13 miles from the Strip. There we go. Okay. And in 1961, he moved into his 10,000 square foot seven bedroom house which sat on 26,000 square feet of land what if i told you there's such a thing as a bigger house <laughs> does he get a bigger house than this one uh not this one i'm gonna say now that i've been through the rest of that one i think this is his biggest house but i don't think this is his most elegant house but also if you 
we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Because he, he mixes things up a little bit. I think this one might be the biggest square footage. Yes. I think. What if I told you there's one that is 15,000 square feet and is a is a tourist attraction now because a guy bought it and restored it. Wow. He bought two houses that were next to each other and conjoined them. Well, that's what that Liberace 15. does later. Liberace himself does that, is he buys like a whole... That's what fucking... I mean. So it was like broken down. He like put them together and restored it. And then when he died, it started to dilapidate and shit again. And this like business guy from the UK bought it and Jesus. fixed it up. And now you can like take tours of it and shit but he lives there at the same time huh. well, that's how about that pretty cool it's located on shirley street in las vegas <laughs> uh take a look. yeah fifteen thousand square feet wow that's pretty that's pretty large it's a lot yeah that's big <laughs> <laughs> yes so this mansion the one on harold way was complete with a gold-plated front door japanese woven carpet all custom French furniture, crystal chandeliers, a built-in organ, which he actually had moved from one room to another room, a gold-leafed French baby grand piano, and that piano was complete with a gold candelabra. He never touches those, though. <laughs> I'm not going to try to imitate him, but you know what he says, too much of a good thing is wonderful. Oh, you said it. Yep. Yeah, the house was mm -hmm. valued at $250,000, and the stuff inside was valued at another $140,000. So, Ethan, what are we looking at in 2021 money here? $3.4 million. So, uh... Nothing to bring home to mother, but it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. He's keeping it modest. Not even a little. So on top of that, every Christmas while he lived at Sherman Oaks, he would decorate the whole area with seasonal decorations, both in his house, but also all around the area for all of his neighbors. He loved Christmas. Mm -hmm. He would do everything in his power to limit shows and professional social engagements during the season just so that he could enjoy it to the fullest. There's a photo of Liberace in a white diamond studded suit standing next to a giant ass white Christmas tree. That sucker has got to be 12 feet and I want to know the legality of using it as a Christmas card because it's very <clears throat> pleasant. I think... That's a good question. Just, just shop your face onto it, and I don't. I don't think it's illegal if it's not for profit. Okay. I think. It, I think Ethan, you're exactly right, and yeah, I don't even okay. think that you have to Photoshop your face onto it. I think you could just use it and send it privately, and you'd also, be fine. That's yeah, what that I was too. thinking. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted it to be him. Oh, <laughs> I like it. Well, I expect that Christmas card now. Oh, and, if you sub and if you subscribe to our Patreon, Austin <laughs> you will send you a Christmas card too. <laughs> we'll That's make sure that you, you get one of Austin's. Put it on the on the calendar. <laughs> so. He realized his money spending was going to catch up with him and he needed to repair his career, with the first step being to make John Jacobs take a step back and hiring back Seymour Heller and Sam Lutz. So when Liberace called Seymour in 1961, he found out that he and Sam had split up their company and Sam was working with another person full time. So after some gentle begging, actually, Liberace made John Jacobs beg to Seymour to come back and take his job. That's uh, that's something Liberace made him do. Seymour mm -hmm. Heller came back and he, I believe his contract was once again set at 10%. And Seymour goes to fucking work. He knows what he's doing. And <laughs> that's why I can market you. <laughs> he's, he, he's the reason why Liberace is such a big name today. Mm. Seymour is an incredible manager and does wonderful yep. things for Liberace. Makes him a fuckload of money. Played just so well by Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so, so well. <laughs> that phone call. Underplayed, honestly. That phone call is so goddamn funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, put Scott on the phone. Scott, put... <laughs> stay out of my fucking business. 
<laughs> oh, powerful. It's good. Watch it. So once Seymour got back to work, he got Vegas to hire Liberace back, making sure to pick times that would ensure his shows would always sell out and intentionally limiting any television appearances to make sure the only way that people could see Liberace was on stage and only after they had bought a ticket. You know, you got to make the audience beg for it. Sometimes overexposure is actually bad for profit. Yeah, man. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's the same. Th- uh, it's what happened earlier. If they could just see him on their show, on his show, why... Well, I'd see him in person. What's the point? <clears throat> Bingo. Uh, so after years of struggling to find a foothold, the 40-year-old Liberace seemed to be making a comeback. And over the next two decades, he came back in a bigger manner than anyone thought possible. All right. Stop and get really, really honest with me for a second. After part two, did you picture a reality where he would become even more successful? No. I literally said in part two. I think this is the most money he's going to be making. <laughs> and it was wrong. And I was wrong. <laughs> I uh, was dead wrong. So. <laughs> no, I thought he was well past his prime and he was going to ride off into the twilight doing whatever he does. And by yep. God, I was wrong. Jeez, it sounds good, unbelievable. Good for him. He goes further. <laughs> yes. Uh, so one of his first moves when he was back in the spotlight again was to find an opening act. You know, I know this doesn't fit. Unlike a timeline of things that occur in America at this time, but it would have been really funny to get it uh, like a comedian like Gallagher on to open for him. I thought that would be it. That, yeah, that is about the same as us opening for a metal band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about the same thing. That's about yeah, about how well it go off. <laughs> so if he wasn't looking for an opening act. He at least stumbled upon one by accident. He was set to appear on the Ed Sullivan show, and when he arrived, he heard one of the most beautiful singing voices he had ever heard. When he finally saw who was singing, he saw an unassuming woman with a notably large nose, and that was 19-year-old Barbara Streisand, who was practicing for her spot on the show. I feel comfortable saying that line. It's... <laughs> the book notes it, all right, and I fucking resent it. Do you, <laughs> Austin? Freaking take a chill pill, buddy. This wasn't I'm not happy. Austin, it's, it has nothing to do with your large nose, okay? Oh my uh, god! Yeah, I didn't even huh? put two and two together, but now, <laughs> now I can't unsee this. Me neither. Does that even fucking mean? <laughs> So, do you guys remember when she tried to get that photo of her removed from the internet? It was like, no, oh man, not at all. I think it was, uh-uh. I think it was actually a photo of her house because she didn't want people to see like how extravagant her house was. And then the the effect was that everyone shared the photo. It's awesome. Oh, of course, yeah. As soon as you try to That's find the it, the internet will just band together to ruin you. <laughs> yes. Look at uh, what Khloe Kardashian's going through right now. Well, what? Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Uh, that's fun. Yeah, Khloe Kardashian right now, there's a picture of Khloe Kardashian posted where it wasn't edited in, in any way and her body looks uh, much more ordinary. She's got a wonderful body, uh, not, mm-hmm. to, not to sexualize yeah, or anything like that. She's got a human body and yeah. it doesn't look like a Kardashian body. And the whole Kardashian family right now is pushing 
hard to get that photo removed what? and it is oh. it's lighting up baby yeah after the Good. episode go look it up because it's pretty funny they are, i will the whole the whole internet is like whoops i shared it again <laughs> God. oh cripes good yeah people I are getting right out of my oh, fuck. <laughs> people are getting like so cease and desist letters and everything it's it's wild um oh, wow. yeah moral of the story the internet will fight anything that anyone tries to do ever because the internet is one collective troll. Murphy's Law. <laughs> Talk about nihilistic. Yes. Uh, so, once he saw her perform there at the Ed Sullivan Show and then one other time, he knew that he had to have her on his show. He brought her back to Las Vegas with him and offered her a salary of $7,500 a week to perform, which helped convince her to stay. So, yeah, she was making $65,000 a week. Woo! It's not bad for just a starting yeah, that's okay. starting salary. That's not right. God. Her first performance with Liberace on August 4th, 1963 was something of a disaster with the audience not liking or appreciating her humor, her accent, or her attitude. She was a Brooklyn girl, and it made it hard for the audience to warm up to her. They almost canceled the rest of her time there, but Liberace demanded that she stay, and he said that he would come out at the beginning of her set he would play a piece alone, and then he would introduce her to the audience, and then he would rave about her for a little bit. Got to butter him up before you let her go. Mm. Yeah. If Liberace liked her, then the crowd had to like her. And this little gimmick worked perfectly. God. He really did stick his neck out for her. Like, you could see he really believed in her, and like that she had something special mm -hmm. going on. And I think that's pretty commendable. William J. Mann wrote a biography about Barbara called Hello Gorgeous, and in it he detailed the level to which Liberace hyped her up before each thing. And the quote was, With such a benediction from the master, Barbara could have come out and read Robert's Rules of Order. If you don't know what that is, that's the manual used to write parliamentary procedures. But of course our whole audience already knew what that was. <laughs> yeah, they knew. They already knew. <laughs> and Liberace's audience would have loved her still. Austin, thank you for explaining what that was because I have no freaking clue. Like reading, I was like, huh. oh, yeah, thanks. That's very funny. The crowd really warmed up to Barbara Streisand and she got to stay. And after a couple weeks, she and Lee performed for a bunch of other performers and professionals in Vegas who adored her. And before long, a contract was written up for Barbara, completely independent of Liberace's, with a payday of $20,000 a week. And shortly after that, she was discovered by Jewel Stein and Ray Stark, the writer and producer of the Broadway musical Funny girl. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. <laughs> what is, don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. What is, how do you even know this? Oh. Oh. You don't know funny girl. Austin is a fucking well of information. Most of it. Have you actually? Useless. What is that? That's funny girl. It is. But go watch Mrs. Doubtfire, oh. <laughs> the scene where his brother is making the masks for him. There's a part where they just make him into Barbara Streisand, <laughs> and he like spins around and just starts singing that song. God damn it. Oh, it's stuck with me since childhood. <laughs> I love it. Oh. I love it. Oh, that's a, that, uh, that is $172,000 a week. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good amount of money. Uh, yeah. And for uh, another little tidbit, in case you guys don't know, you guys know the wonderful Fox Tail television show glee mm. uh mm. that is uh, uh the the main character who i cannot think of her oh rachel rachel barry her whole goal is to be on broadway in funny girl so this is kind of a fun little thing huh. <sighs> that i uh, talk about glee too much i'm glad i, know <laughs> that I, I, I'm glad I learned that would have never 
could have lived my whole life and never known that piece of information, and now I do. Happy to know it, but aren't yeah, you? Happy glad? to yeah. know it, but yeah. Thank you, Tony. Probably would have never known. <laughs> uh, you're all welcome. So, <clears throat> after seeing her once, Jewel Stein and Ray Stark signed her to the lead of the musical, and from there, her career blossomed to what we all know and love today. I think my favorite performance where she's portrayed is in South Park. What does she portray? She, she is the big, giant Mecha Godzilla joke. It's really funny. Oh my god! To me, I do not remember that. <laughs> just oh, if you look up Barbara Streisand in South Park, it's just gonna bring up a Mecha Godzilla with a blonde wig on it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yes, all of this fame, funny girl, all the money, the South Park appearances, it was all because of Liberace and his persistence to keep her. Mm, yep. And he loved that he helped her and he would talk about it as often as he could. Hey, man, you've got a resume that big, you've got to flaunt it. Yeah. He did. You you said it, buddy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but just as his career was taking off, he had to reevaluate everything again because of a twofold event that nearly ended his career and his life. It was November 22nd, 1963. And that day may sound familiar for reasons completely unrelated to Liberace, as that was the day that President John F. Kennedy was shot while riding in a motorcade down Dealey Plaza in Dallas, Texas. It may also sound familiar as the day that Toy Story, the first feature film to be created completely using computer animation, was released in 1995, either or. Wow. Huh. Wow. Thank you, Pixar. You know. Mm, thank you, Pixar. This is the event that spawned the term. Conspiracy theory. Uh, yeah, it actually is the event that. Are you talking about uh, Pixar, Toy Story yeah. or? Yeah. No, 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 no. no, no. JFK assassination. Man, they not 95. Toy Story. <laughs> not, not Toy Story. You look up the, uh, the 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 similarities between Buzz Lightyear and uh, and uh, fucking the CIA, and you'll you'll be surprised mm. at how how similar they really are. I wish. If you haven't been it, able to see the underlying story behind Toy Story, you're a fucking rude. I really wish I didn't know that <laughs> there was. A, night. There's literally a conspiracy theory about. Toy Story, but not really JFK. It doesn't matter. Oh, there's conspiracy theories about everything. It's true. They're fun. It's true. It's not one about JFK, though. <laughs> no, no, there's not one, one thing that weirdly doesn't have one. Yeah. That is an open and shut case, and we are comfortable <laughs> leaving it in 63. Mm. <laughs> so, Liberace was in his hotel room in Pittsburgh getting ready to play a show when he heard the news. And Liberace, who hadn't been feeling very well, was certain that they were going to call off the show. There was no way that they were going to want to come out and laugh and see him play on such a tragic day. But Liberace was wrong and Dick Gabe, his New York manager, informed him that the venue was going to make him play still or it would be a violation of his contract and he could be sued. You know... All businessmen, they're very kind and understanding with people's mm -hmm. strifes. Yep, that is so true. Oh, we get big time. So that night, Liberace went on stage and played. And uh, just for comparison, this would be like if if Liberace or a person went on and played on 9-11. Mm. Like it was that level of tragedy. Yeah, we're, we're not saying JFK <laughs> getting assassinated is on the same level as 3,000 casualties. Like just the hysteria in the country was similar. God, throw that out there. <laughs> I know, you know, I'm just saying, I think we can all kind of, you know, there's definitely a very real possibility that maybe the government carried out Portuguese events. Whoa, mm. that's weird. We kind of cut out there for some reason. <laughs> yeah, are we back now? 
I yeah, think we're, we're back. Yeah, yeah we're good. Yeah, okay. Good. You want to pick it up, Tony? <laughs> that was nuts. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was that amount of tragedy back in the day. Uh, he was feeling sicker than before from what he thought was the day's events. So when he got on stage, he played a couple pieces in a much more subdued manner than he was known for. Then he did something truly unexpected. He walked off stage because he felt like he was going to vomit and he could barely see. They said when he was playing his pieces, he couldn't even see the piano that he was playing on. So he tried to go back out on stage after wiping himself down with a wet towel. But before he even got finished with another piece, he apologized to the audience and ran back off stage, this time passing out. At this point, he doesn't know that he's literally dying, but he still tries to finish the show. You got to. There's a there's a certain level of adrenaline that runs your body. I remember I was playing a 4th of July show with my band one year and I felt like I was going to throw up all over my drum set and I played three or four pieces like that and then I ran to a porta potty during a bake break and I <laughs> shit my I shit and I threw up and then I went back out and I finished the show. So you you push through unless you are I mean, unless uh, I, I would say unless your kidneys are actively shutting down, mm. you push through. <laughs> That'll do it. Like your body That'll literally just collapses. Yeah. You keep going. Mm. That is the line uh, as we will see. Uh-huh. So after he collapsed, he was rushed to the hospital and it was determined that, like I said, Liberace's kidneys were failing because mm. of uremic poisoning caused by Liberace using hardware store levels of cleaning solution on his outfits to try and clean him. A practice he had been doing for a while to try and save a couple dollars. He was using something called Carbana, and the main ingredient was carbon tetrachloride. And as you can maybe imagine, it's not sold anymore because it's literally poison, and he was cleaning his clothes with it in an unventilated green room. I mean... America has moved forward now. We put labels on the stuff that will kill you now. If we just do like really fun ads about it too, then it's fine. It yeah. seems cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Hell yeah. Say all the side effects really fast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And be, be, besides um, you putting it on in an unventilated green room, when he wore the outfits, he would sweat because his outfits would weigh a ton, sometimes as much as legitimately 100 pounds. <laughs> And so he would start sweating and then the cleaning solution would be soaked into his skin and eventually it uh, it reached and it attacked his kidneys. The, the largest human organ, which is your skin, is truly incredible because it will absorb your environment that you are in. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty horrifying. It really can <laughs> mm-hmm. backfire, don't you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he was uh, He was hooked up to an artificial kidney and told to get his affairs in order as it looked like this would be the end of the road for Lee. He brought in a chaplain who read him his last rites and he got his financial affairs in order where he had to try and quickly blow through his net worth around $750,000 at the time. So that converts to about $6.5 million now. So this guy must have been spending money so fast because he was making yeah. so much too. It's insane. <laughs> God. Yeah, he did a he does a very good job on spending money. Yes. Uh, the things that he bought oh, yeah. trying to blow through his net worth was a house for his sister, Angie. He bought his mom, Francis, a mink coat and jewelry. And then he bought things like motorcycles, sports cars, tons of jewelry and anything else 
the 28 members of his staff God, could want. Had it made. <laughs> yeah, it's a dream. <laughs> yes, God. he said that he was ready to go into the ground broke as he knew that he couldn't take any of that money with him. Inheritance taxes are actually pretty high when you receive money from someone that's died. Yeah, those estate taxes, death yeah. taxes, man. They'll, 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 they'll rob you. They'll make anyone turn over in their grave. Yep. <laughs> uh, but... Amazingly, Liberace made a miraculous recovery one morning. His kidneys began reacting to the treatment, and he quickly regained his strength. He was visited by a nun in an all-white habit in the middle of the night, who told him to pray to St. Anthony, who had worked many miracles. Those were the nun's words. So when Liberace asked the hospital staff to fetch the nun so he could thank her, they informed him that there was no nun by that description. Hmm. So whether Liberace saw a, a nun... Or a ghost or a delusional janitor in a costume. We don't know, but Liberace made a full recovery. Or whether he made the whole thing up because he's a showman and it made a better story. Liberace <laughs> made a full recovery. Hey, man, I know this is going to sound bad, but I really did go to the Flamingo. That I swear on that. That happened. <laughs> Wow. The more you say it, the less true it sounds. Yeah. It almost it's I, almost like you just kinda like leaned in a little. Forced it in here. I swear. Nobody brought it up. Surprise. I just, I just <laughs> you just felt the need to say it. Had to say it. Makes it sound very unconvincing. <laughs> also, Austin, I think that's one of the most cynical things I think I've ever heard you say on the show. Hey man, you never know. You don't know. I don't, what know. People I are don't doing. know. That's the thing. I don't, you don't know. know what they're saying. You don't know what they lie there. You never living. know. Could be could be he could have lied. I didn't, oh, so but he might have. Oh, my God, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 100% convinced you have not even been to Vegas in your life at this point. Yeah, I was convinced last episode, and I'm getting more con unconvinced. Of the <laughs> I, I did it, guys. I'm serious. I did it. Christ. Oh, so good. after Liberace was out of the hospital, he called for $25,000 worth of Christmas decorations to be put up in his house to celebrate his recovery. And he was going to reevaluate his career, demanding that he make more time for himself rather than working himself to death. Ghoul none or no, Liberace's <laughs> life was really saved by dialysis, and I only bring that up because this event is really what changed the public perception of the treatment and led to it being widely available because it was seen as unreliable science before this. I'm, I'm sure it was a really hard sell to like be like, yeah, we're going to filter your blood. You just got to get in this huge fucking yeah. <laughs> metal... Cylinder. We're gonna pull the blood out of your body, <laughs> and we're gonna suck it out, filter it, and we're gonna put it back in. It'll be fine. Uh, I mean, I think it was a miracle from a nun, but I guess if you guys want to go fucking science <laughs> on it, then that's your that's your opinion. You're allowed to live your whatever yeah. truth is is yours. One of us is wrong, and uh, he could kick the other two off the show. Oh man, it's only one person to think about. <laughs> this is really specific. He's right. It's weird. <laughs> oh, so Liberace I turned think down. There was a ghost nun. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I, I do believe. Yeah, Say, it was a nun. Mir miracle. <laughs> I'm miracle. I'm convinced. Yeah. Miracle convinced me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Liberace turned down shows for all sorts of reasons, including one simply because he wanted to watch his orchids as they bloomed. Uh, Seymour Heller said this was a wonderful opportunity. I think it was going to be a lot of money, and, and Liberace just said, that sounds great, Seymour, <laughs> but 
I want to watch my orchids bloom. So he turned down the show and that was, I mean, he had more money than he ever knew what to do with. So he wasn't too worried about it. Yep. His uh, brush with death made him realize that his talent wasn't anything if he couldn't slow down once in a while to enjoy his spoils. That's the big takeaway from nearly dying. He just wasn't spending quite enough <laughs> money yet. <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. And his show was in need of an overhaul, but Liberace refused. Oh, you said overhaul? Hmm. That's a, I'm, you're going to need a verified inspector authorization to get that done. <laughs> that is what we call a dumb aviation joke. There it is. Thank you. Wow. That will make somebody oh, wow. laugh. Someone, that will make somebody laugh. going to be busting One guy. You are going to have to get more Air Force people to listen to this <laughs> because it's going over everyone's head. <laughs> you are, you are going to have to recruit people. Yeah. There are a couple people shows. out there like, oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, good one, buddy. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. Deep cut. I'm taking that to the shop. God damn it. <laughs> Oh, so even in 1964, he was doing the same thing he had been doing for almost 20 years now, but he wasn't worried about it because he was still making money and and people were still hiring him off. But it was beginning to feel stale at this point. Rock and roll was really beginning to take off with bands like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, the Animals and the Kinks really coming into play. Oh, the, the hippies are coming and... It's going to be great. Oh, this is this is prime free love generation, yeah. buddy. Mm -hmm. They were far and away from the Chopinized version of Chopsticks the audiences of Liberace were getting. He would tell the same jokes show after show and year after year. Some of his classics were... I don't wear these outfits to go unnoticed. <laughs> and pardon me while I slip into something a little more spectacular. <laughs> and who could forget... <laughs> A lot of people ask me how I play the piano with all these rings on. I tell them very well, thank you. <laughs> and, of course, the crowd favorite. Gee, you've been such a wonderful audience that I don't want to take your money, but I will. <laughs> you are very good at that. <laughs> like, too good. I don't know about Comes that. and goes. It's, and this is a person that was publicly and legally straight. Imagine Please. having to say you are legally straight. I am straight by a court of law. That's what I'm telling you guys. None of us can do it. Yeah. yeah. No way. More straight than any no, of us, say, technically. Like, yeah. So his show was predictable in the most unpredictable way. He did the same shtick, but always managed to top himself in the outfits that he wore and in the stunts that he tried on stage. And as often as possible, he had his mother Frances in the front row. He had his image on stage, which was that of a quirky, witty, loving guy. And he made sure to maintain that image wherever he went. All the way into court. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, he mm -hmm. was Liberace in public no matter what. Man, the further we go, the more like just blaringly obvious and sad the realization is that this is a person desperately trying to keep the entire world at arm's length from a deep-seated trauma and it's not super as super fun anymore <laughs> you know I, I like i read that sentence and i'm like aren't we all doing that oh dear i, I guess it just depends the level you're capable of doing it to yeah, yeah we don't have cameras on us he, uh, <laughs> i i going through this story Liberace is one of the well, most well-built characters in American entertainment history. Yeah. Actual character. Liberace <laughs> is not a person. Liberace no, yeah. is a character yes. played by Vladlo Liberace. God. Mm -hmm. And he plays it very well, and he plays it about 90% of the time of his life. Yeah, what a dark and upsetting kind of way to put that in. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, so that's just fun to think about. Stick around. Liberace tried to never get involved with anything controversial in the slightest, like politics, never leaning right or left, religion, uh, never doing anything outside saying he was Catholic and then not really doing anything with that. And then, of course, his sexuality. He would avoid these topics and steer the conversation to whatever he could talk about more easily. Liberace would have made a great politician. Mm. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. He, could, he could handle public speaking oh, perfectly yeah. and he could, he could woo any audience he needed to, any crowd. Master of the spin. <clears throat> yes, he was, a, he was a master at being interviewed and he had a way about him to guide the interview wherever he wanted it to go. Do you guys remember who it was that said the most important skill that a musician can have is th- is this, like, leading the interview? Um, I want to say it was Bowie, but I, I can't remember. No idea. I do not know. Yeah. Anyway, Liberace, that's, like, every interview you watch, he's owning the whole thing. And yes. You can find a lot of them, so go, go check a few out, oh, see what we're talking about. It's fun to watch. <laughs> it's fun to watch. We've said it many times. He's fun to watch. <clears throat> yes, and he never turned out an interview if he could swing it. If he had the chance to be interviewed, he always took it. He actually once gave an interview to a small-time, no-name reporter for a small magazine in his limousine on his way to be made into a wax figurine. Did he mention in the interview that he was on his way to be made into a wax figurine? Uh, I don't quote me, but I don't think so. I think it was oh, just an interview. God damn. How do you even? Yeah. I, how does that yeah, happen? It wasn't like hop in quick. I'm going to be yeah, a wax figure. Exactly. Let's do this fast. <laughs> no, it, it was that. But then when he was in there, it was just an interview. Like, God. like they were sitting in a room together, but they were in his piano themed limousine like amazing it's just it's just he just said i have i have this car ride to where i'm going and so hop in and we'll we'll uh we'll be you can interview me and then he got hungry and he stopped off at mcdonald's and grabbed burgers for him and and the interview got like just was like yep this is when i have time so come interview me right now and and we'll be good god you know like every like random person that ever met him it was a good encounter there's just no doubt always yeah always a good encounter Yeah. yeah yeah he made sure that Anyone who wanted to talk to him could talk to him. It's nuts. And that every time there was a camera, that it was on. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah, he made sure of that. <laughs> yes. And his career was soaring because of the steps he took. In 1965, Liberace announced that he was celebrating his 25th year in show business. This was actually an exaggeration a little bit because it was actually his 21st year in show business. But he thought that 25 years in show business sounded a little bit neater. Yeah. And everyone bought the ghost nun story hook, line, and <laughs> sinker so go ahead and play with the timeline a little oh austin you're about to get yourself kicked off the show <laughs> yeah buddy watch it <laughs> but also like back then it was prod. it was so much harder to disprove headlines without the wealth of resources we have now it's oh yeah of, you mm, could just claim mm. things and it would be true it would go yes. yeah very difficult <laughs> yeah well. uh, so yeah at this point he was making around eight hundred thousand dollars a year from his engagements six point six million dollars not not uh not too shabby yeah yeah he had yeah, multiple right. houses and apartments he had multiple cars he had tons of suits jewelry and then anything else that he could want he loved playing in vegas and vegas loved him he could bring in the wives and the mistresses of some high rollers to his shows which meant plenty of drinks and plenty of gambling which was actually something liberace liked to do himself from time to time though he stuck mostly to the slots so is this about the time that he started planting jaja Ja gabor in the audience to 
lob him a couple softballs. <laughs> God, I don't know who Jaja Gabor is, but yeah, I kind of want to know. I'm very hungry after hearing that name. That sounds like an Italian dish. Yeah. It's funny that you said you're very hungry because she's a Hungarian actress. <laughs> 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 the words just sound the that same. That is That's fun. It, what a dumb time. I love it. <laughs> you don't know who Jaja Gabor is? I have no idea. I don't. Oh, Let she's me like a very cool. famous like socialite actress from, um, I don't know when her big time was, 60s or something, but huh. she's like, she's she's all about the furs and the diamonds too. Ah. Oh. Jaja Gabor, Gabor, however you pronounce it, uh, played someone in uh gilligan's island oh is she uh ginger mm. oh she's erica tiffany smith and she was on the show for one episode oh, so that, that was sense. a complete bust yeah, yeah. Mm, no, i blew it mm. <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway uh, you'll have to look I... up some videos she she sits in the audience and they do a little shtick every once in a while oh, she's pretty all young. right yeah that's kind of fun she's old in this not this that's <laughs> that's fine i mean Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, uh, Vegas too was great because nobody actually lived in Vegas. Yeah, the two weeks I spent in Vegas taught me that people who live in Vegas don't go to the Strip. They don't like it. <laughs> no, mm. no yeah, mm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, every night had the possibility to bring in a brand new audience from the thousands of tourists coming in. He had his house there and he would play and then he would go out and enjoy himself on the casinos floor and everything like that. And then he would invite some people back to his place where he cooked them breakfast and then he saw them out. I think it's kind of a trend in Vegas for celebrities to have houses. I know someone that knows of that Whoopi Goldberg has a house there and she used to like have parties like this at her house all the time but very much not really that. a thing now yeah very much believe that yeah yeah, yeah he I was go uh to a whoopee party so fucking fast <laughs> you go to whoopee goldberg's party oh in a heart oh yeah oh my god it was it was actually zach he went to a whoopee goldberg party no way yeah ask him I about it he'll tell you saying yep. that. god i bet i bet actually. the hors d'oeves there were god he, oh, spectacular. he made it seem super fun. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> God, that would be a great time. God. That would be that would be a decently fun time. Yes. Uh and partying with Liberace would be so much fun too. He mm -hmm. was living mm -hmm. the high life around this time, and he continued to play around the country. And in nineteen sixty nine, he made his way back to England after a decade of letting things calm down. He did some television appearances there where he was actually asked about the libel case. And he handled it with poise and grace, simply brushing it off and asking to move on. Polite, but firm. Mm -hmm. Yep. His, mm -hmm. his quote was, why don't we let sleeping dogs lie? And then he moved Ooh. on. And that was it. Tasteful. <clears throat> so he also made an appearance in South Africa, where he wasn't actually known at this time, but eventually made a name for himself. Uh, I think for the first... Um, for the first couple of shows in South Africa, they actually had to give away tickets, but then he eventually, by word of mouth, made it so they was most pop popular enough to actually sell tickets. And this was actually around the time that Mutt Lang was doing his thing in Johannesburg. So while I couldn't find anything to definitively prove it, there's a really good chance that Mutt Lang and Liberace were in close proximity to each other at one point. That would make such a good point, but I... I... To me, I don't think they would really click together as like a group, to like two people talking. I don't know. They seem like very different people musically. Uh, I agree with that, but I, I, like, I'm just saying that if Liberace was in in Johannesburg when Maybe. when uh, Mutt Lang was there, I feel like Mutt Lang would have Maybe, to yeah, go see just him. Opportunity, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Since he is a big <laughs> enough name. Yeah. I mean, during the Mutt Lang series, we said three bands that we have no idea who it was were in Johannesburg uh -huh. and yeah. we went to go see them. That's so. true. 
Very good chance, yeah. (laughs) So while he was in England, they decided to try out another television show matching the one that he had done before with great success. The budget was much higher, sitting around a hundred grand versus the ten grand they had back in the States. You know, you've got old banking money and colonialism money in England. It's very different to the United States. We're a very new country. Yeah, they've got their their shillings and their their uh pounds their euros and their yeah, yeah their doubloons mm, yep. and all that i think he was metal money <laughs> he was paid 10 bricks of tea to, to play there <laughs> he was very thankful for it just threw it in the sea all right so stuff there you and we'll break it up in the war first <laughs> and we're continuing with the Stereotypes. Surface level stereotypes. <laughs> just is. Just as baseless but, as they come. I'm here for it. But even the bigger budget couldn't help the failing show, and it only lasted a couple months before flopping. Now, when Tony says show, he does not mean like a one-time performance while he was over in England. He means a clone of Liberace's television show, mm-hmm. but produced in the UK. A clone of Liberace's television show that was failing in the U.S., but produced in the U.K., where he already had a less-than-ideal history. Yeah. A clone of Liberace's television oh, show that was failing in the U.S. with a budget of $10,000 an episode, produced in the U.K., where he already had a less-than-ideal history with a budget... Ten times more expensive. I can't figure out why it didn't catch on. You know, those UK to USA remakes, they they got a good track record. Yeah. But once you try to go USA to UK, think of one good USA to UK remake. You got me. There aren't any. That is so true. And here's why. Yes. Stuff is so dry in the UK. It's true. People in Britain and everything, they like their humor dry. Yeah. And Liberace was not a guy who did dry humor. <laughs> I just don't, yeah, I don't think they like our humor. They're a little sour still. Yeah, they are. Yep. It's because we won. It's because we won. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's why. <laughs> They're bitter because of that. Uh, so sour. he did. <laughs> so after this, he did make small appearances on television shows, acting mostly as himself. But at one point, he actually did get to play the villain Fingers in the Adam West Batman show, which is really cool. R.I.P. Adam West. R.I.P. buddy. Uh, Yeah, he realized that he was better on stage and talking to people candidly than he was at acting. Okay, but this is really a fun episode where Liberace plays a famous pianist who performs at the White House for the president, but he has to use a player piano because he injures his hands, and his evil twin brother, also played by Liberace, blackmails him into helping him infiltrate the Wayne family so that he can marry Bruce's aunt and claim their fortune. Otherwise, he'll tell the world that his performance for the president was a crock it's huh. incredible was a was his aunt hot I, do we know i dude i've seen i've seen the episode way back i watched parts of it today couldn't find the whole thing Damn so it. i couldn't tell you they don't they don't really make plot lines like they used to anymore <laughs> that's the batman plot line yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah, good writing. Awesome. That's a good show. <laughs> Dude, the, the 60s Batman is really it's fun. It's actually really fun. <laughs> it's so it's, it's like, so good. It's super slapsticky, but I think it, I used to watch it yeah. with my dad all the time. I loved it. Wild. Yes. Yeah. The Adam West Batman is just the definition of campy. And yes. God bless it for it. It's great. It knew what it was and it did it very well. Yep. <sighs> 
<laughs> and so while Liberace was still selling out big grand theaters and boxing hundreds of thousands of dollars a night, and he was still finding that he could shut down anyone who tried to insult him. He read almost every review, but the only ones that he saved were what he called the Eat Crow Files. Eating crow is an idiom used to describe the humiliation that you feel when you're proven wrong about something that you've taken a strong stance on. That has been this week's segment of colloquialism in music history. <laughs> I, God, I just wish I knew what colloquialism meant. This is like a phrase or a saying, buddy. Okay. Thank you. Uh, That's that's interesting. I didn't know that, Austin. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, pretty interesting. God, the audience is getting so much more than they bargained for this episode. Mm -hmm. I love it. God damn it. Well, yes. In this this case, Eating Crow was, uh, it would be when there were reviews from critics who were planning to try and destroy Liberace, but ended up enjoying him and then writing a positive review about him instead. You got a wine dining 69 of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta go for it. I uh, I don't I don't think he did any of that, but that's fine. He might have lied. Um, we don't know. I don't know him. Yeah. Uh, the only one that seemed to really get to him was a review by Martin Bernheimer of the LA Times. And the only thing that really cut him was when he pointed out that Liberace was actually using the wrong term of candelabra. Martin said that candelabra was actually the plural version, and Liberace should instead be using the term candelabrum. When Liberace read this, he said, Fuck Martin Bernheimer, we'll call it a candelabra. <laughs> God damn it. Like, real recognizes real. And <laughs> okay. Bernheimer got him so good. It's, he's right. I mean, I would say Liberace got Bernheimer yeah, just as I good. Think you're the wrong yeah, it's true. Like, cause, yeah, yeah Liberace dumb. just God. said, Fuck you. I'm good. He, uh, he That's pretty, it. He pretty much redefined the word. I mean, yeah. Yeah. truly. I understand that words have different contexts and situational use and that the wrong use changes the literacy of what you're saying. But at the same time, just get over yourself. <laughs> like, do you say octopi or do you say octopus? I have never been in a situation where I've needed yeah, to know. Never. I think never had to claim I that I, I've seen I can't multiple. Even, I can't even remember which one's the plural and which one's not. It's octopi is plural. Thank you. It's like cacti and oh, cactus. Oh, that makes sense. Sure, it ain't octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, you, you sinner. Are you fucking sure? <laughs> I think Austin might actually be right. Yeah, scrapers, Austin. This is a family we just don't show, know, though. <laughs> um, yes, no. His his fans. No matter what happened, his fans were loyal to him, and Liberace loved them as much as he loved them. They were what really kept Liberace going. He answered every piece of fan mail. Either he did it by his own hand, or he actually at one point hired a secretary to answer all of his fan mail for him. Uh, that's going to be our next. Next expense in the on in five budget actually i we need a really hot secretary to take the all the letters we get and then make responses for us wow mm-hmm. yeah anyway liberace wanted to make sure that everyone who associated with him was happy as ethan said anytime anyone had an interaction with liberace they always left happy they always were happy that they got to talk to him I actually read something that said if Liberace was eating and something and somebody came up to him and said, can I get a photo with you? Liberace would say uh, something like, not right now, I'm eating, but come back as soon as I'm done and I will take a photo with you. Like he would even turn down people gracefully to the point where they weren't upset. Like he would make sure that everyone was happy. That's so cool. He's such an expert at PR. He's so good at it. (laughs) He's a genius. Genius. (laughs) Genius. And uh, honestly, that's what kept him in business so long. Everyone was made him so he made everyone so happy that they just 
kept coming to see him and it, mm-hmm. he was very popular and uh, that kept the money flowing. Every stagehand, every technician, every hairstylist, every audience member, even every janitor who worked at the theaters that Liberace was at loved when Liberace was around. It was just, he was incredible at, at talking to people. It was, we've, uh, we're beating a dead horse here, but it was, he, he was so good at it. Hell of a boss. Even after buying all of his other homes, he still wanted more. And so he set his sights on another home called the Cloisters. It was a hotel villa that was becoming run down and was scheduled for demolition. It was an entire block wide and had a price tag of $250,000. (laughs) Nothing. Liberace wanted the entire block, but his manager actually told him that he could only have half of it. So in the early 70s, Liberace bought the 8,000 square foot 11 bedroom house for $87,000. Again, doesn't seem like that much, but that's quite a bit of money. Uh, And then he spent another $600,000 renovating it to beyond its former glory. And when he was done with it, it had a value in 1980 of $2 million. And today, that value is $3.1 million. I would say that's a pretty good return on the money you invested. Yeah. (laughs) It's a decent return. Yeah, uh, that's something that they pointed out too. Is that every piece of property that Liberace bought when he yeah. sold it again, he always made a profit. That like was a big, every single one was a good investment. The documentaries were the same way. They were just like, yeah, everything he bought made him a lot of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. He never like got burned on anything, no. which is insane. Never had to understand the concept of depreciation. <laughs> Amazing. Um, This house, the Cloisters, was everything that Liberace dreamed of. And honestly, I can't do it justice on here, on this audio-only format. Just go look it up because this house is nuts. It's nuts. I mean, I can't even fathom what living in a house like that would be like. Like, I can't imagine having that much space in a house. Mm. I have a 2,000 square foot house and while we filled it up and it looks good, like, I don't know what I, I mean... I don't know what I would do with any more space. We looked at a 4,000 square foot older house at one point when we were doing our house search. And it was like, this is really big. Like this would, there would be empty rooms in this house. And Liberace decorated every room in his house exquisitely. And yeah, every room was filled up with with all the stuff he could have ever wanted. Dude, imagine Feng Shui to the teeth. You know, like his attics or his basements, I bet they were filled too. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know if like houses in Vegas really like have uh, uh, basements because they don't really need them because whatever, there's not tornadoes or whatever to have a basement. But all the same, uh, in this house, in the 8,000 square foot cloister house, he had a chapel. He had um, mirrors that belonged to legitimate kings, and then he had what he claimed were John F. Kennedy's personal silverware. Everything in his house was probably super haunted. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really spooky. Mm. Yeah, his uh, his house looked like it should have been haunted. It was. Uh, <laughs> It was exactly as gaudy and as tacky as Liberace wanted it to be, and he loved it. And all these houses gave him plenty of room to store his collection of around 30 rare and unique cars. He had old Mercedes, old Rolls Royces, Cadillacs, Jaguars, a diamond-studded dune buggy, and limos and town cars, all with the same level of Liberace styling. If you ever want to like feel 
fairly insignificant. Look up the price of a Rolls Royce, like off the lot. Mm-hmm. Off the lot, three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. That's just yeah. like a base <laughs> a, model a stock Rolls. Yep, yeah. stock Rolls Royce. What does a stock Rolls Royce even like entail? Is it like <sighs> manual windows? Yep, AM radio only. <laughs> Clock seats. Uh, <laughs> on the outside, it's a Rolls Royce, but on the inside, it is a, a Saturn Ion. You do get that big grill. You get a big grill. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> God. Liberace could do no wrong in the 60s and early 70s. And he even put out a cookbook that was a bestseller. As we said before, that Liberace was an insanely impressive cook. There's some pictures of some recipes online, and my mouth was watering, brother. That, <laughs> the Liberace lasagna looks just. Yeah, no. The people raved about his cooking, raved about his lasagna. He loved to cook, and he loved to cook for huge parties. He would just, mm. he would make dinners for large gatherings of people and then he would like cook the meals and then refrigerate them and then he would finish the cooking next day when he actually had the party so he could have people come in and then like after 20 minutes like all the food was prepared and it was a big like miraculous thing it was he he knew how to throw a party and he knew uh how to cook it's like he just liked entertaining yeah he loved entertaining yeah Yeah. he's an entertainer through and through one thing he did he had a closet full of gold um, slippers. They were they were slippers that were they were they were golden color. I don't. I'm over explaining this. Um, but one thing he would do when people came in is when they came in in their high heels and stuff like that. A way to disarm them and make them feel more comfortable is he would say, "Oh, uh, let me take off your high heels because you might you might trip over this carpet." So he would make sure that anyone who came in would have these like gold slippers and be very comfortable in his home and it was all a way to make them feel more comfortable in his house so then he could feel more comfortable entertaining him. What a genius. Guy. Just a character. Freaking genius. Just a character. All the time. Yeah. Just a character. <laughs> yeah. Trying Even... to keep everyone from knowing the real him. <laughs> He's all character, baby. Um, even though his career took a big hit in the late 50s and early 60s, he was back and better than ever. In the 70s, he actually got to the point where he could joke about his sexuality. Enough time had passed that he felt he could lean into the jokes being made about him and even make some jokes himself, even though he made sure to make it clear that he was still not gay. And as society became more comfortable with the emerging free love scene, Liberace felt more comfortable poking fun at his secret persona. So he entered the new decade still as the king of the stage, or I guess as it probably should be put, the original king. Yeah, history specifically remembers someone else as the king. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Names like the king, Elvis, Elton (laughs) John, David Bowie and others were becoming more commonplace and they all took influence from Liberace's stage style with increasingly flamboyant and extravagant outfits, which further helped push the styles of Prince, Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson a decade later. Liberace prided himself on paving the way for all these artists later on. Liberace literally set the standard for extravagant Mm. artists. He proved that it could be okay to be this wild, zany character on stage, the only unfortunate thing is that while um uh freddie mercury david bowie elton john 
uh they all could come out and say that they were gay publicly or by yeah. whatever yeah exactly liberace could never do that nope. and so nope. that's why he built up this character liberace mm. pretty well and those outfits as well as the lifestyle in general actually burned him in the early 70s as he had been writing off all the outfits sometimes costing as much as twenty five thousand dollars or more as well as his homes and cars claiming they were all business expenses yeah big brother doesn't like it when you buy things for yourself without paying him too. <laughs> Which, he likes his guts. You gotta understand, you have to set up a non-profit organization and donate all your expenses into the non-profit, write it off as a donation, and then make the expenses onto the non-profit. You gotta write it off. Ask any billionaire at this point. I'm just glad that Ethan, you've been reading that copy of The Art of the Deal I sent you, because it seems like you really got it down, buddy. <laughs> you're not You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, Liberace actually mm. went to court over all of this, claiming that since his outfits could never be worn as streetwear, which was the basis uh, for claiming whether or not an outfit could could or could not be deducted that his outfits should be deducted. Remember, his outfits were extremely extravagant and extremely heavy. He convinced the court that those outfits could not be worn and were deductible. And those were actually taken off, but the cars and homes that he owned didn't fly. And Liberace had to pay $60,000 in back taxes. And that fine really was nothing for him, though. Nope. And he would barely bat an eye when a piece of jewelry or something along those lines would go missing, even if the piece of jewelry that went missing was priced at $30,000. Money was nothing for him. Here's why. <laughs> why, Tony? Because he was fucking rolling in the dough. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah. You remember all this time how we've been claiming we were still increasing his payments per week? Well, as we said, we thought $50,000 a week was near the top and we were wrong. I did say a few hundred thousand a week in episode one. So the issue yeah. is just that our brains are bad. <laughs> I am still struggling to comprehend how you like spend this much money. Like how do you, it just makes no sense to me. Could you imagine looking in your bank account on Monday morning and just seeing it go up by $50,000? No. And then the next week you look and it's just another $50,000. Like that is bonkers money. And guess what? Strap in, idiots. In 1972, <laughs> Liberace made Nevada his legal residence. He loved playing there, and after 17 years at the Riviera, again, playing for $50,000 a week when he was contracted to play there, his time there wrapped up. And the only reason it wrapped up was because a new hotel was going up. The Hilton. Oh, and this this family that makes a bunch of hotels is going to give us one smoking hot daughter. Oh, my God. All right. Wow. Oh, it's <laughs> Paris. It's Thank Paris. You. She's so Easy. hot. Yeah, Easy no, we know. <laughs> yeah, we know. Yeah, we know who it is. It was strongly bought. It's true. It's true. <laughs> the name, yeah, kind of gave it away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They approached, the Hilton approached Liberace, and they offered him $300,000 a week to play at their hotel. That is uh, $1.8 million a week. A week. <laughs> he was loyal to the places he played, but sometimes the money was just too good. This is the piano ring. You know who presented that to me? <laughs> Baron Hilton. Guess what came with the piano ring? A $3 million contract uh. with the Hilton Hotel here in Las Vegas. Isn't that fantastic? 
plastic. Wow. <laughs> what a, what a cat. You're so good at that. Ow. The laugh is not, uh, it's not it, that maniacal. It's, it is it's a little not. weird. It did make him sound like a villain, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm actually worried that you're you're embodying uh, Liberace. Austin, are you okay? <laughs> too much. This is incredible. I have something I have to tell you about. <laughs> when we're done with this episode. Okay, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it off air. Good. Yeah, off air, please. <sighs> so just like it, how so just like how he left the last frontier for the Riviera because of the big pay increase, now he was doing the same at the Hilton. And he loved to play there. He would almost always go well over his contracted time, sometimes by as much as an hour, gabbing with the audience, pointing out and including his mother Francis, and improving incredible pieces with plenty of suggestions from the people watching him. And probably helping sell a ton of booze and food in the process. <laughs> yeah, I think the people, I think the, the the casino hotel was like pretty upset at first with him going over by that much because the longer the show went, the less time people could be on the floor gambling. But I think that they well made up for it in, <laughs> oh, yeah. in drinks yeah. and, and food. And oh, yeah. Like, oh, we're they were like, oh, we're here, still making bank here. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just fine. And since he was residing in Las Vegas, he, of course, bought himself another house there. Just as expansive, gaudy, and spectacular as the rest. Number at least 10 by the time he was buying at least four houses in the area where he had just bought the villa. I, my, I have some, like, fairly long-term goals, and I just want to own two homes in separate locations. That's all I want. And this, <laughs> yeah, and he's got 10. And, and this is the one where he just buys, like, his own little compound of, yeah. of small little villas all right next to each other. Because he wanted to have his own place, and then he wanted to have, like, a wonderful guest house that was just as spectacular Jeez, as his house. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I want to have, have my 2,000-square-foot home, and then I want to have, like, a shitty ass trailer on a lake somewhere yeah like a lake house dream, exactly so. i want a lake house that's yeah. all i want <laughs> yeah and he's got that's just about it liberace has got everything you want if only i could play the piano as well as him someday <laughs> someday you're working on it i'm getting there buddy i'll be there by 2023 you got this 2023 all right yeah. Yeah, very soon yeah all right yeah no i'm Working hard. Um, so in 1973, he released his autobiography, which follows a very uh, straight and clean telling of mm. his life, something that would be highly contested later on. Yeah, it ends up not being exactly something you want to use for a quote unquote factual <laughs> telling of his story. He, he might have brushed over a few like pretty important details. He might have. Yeah, kind of danced around him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he spoke not at all about his alleged homosexuality, barring the 50 pages he spent talking about the libel case. And he spoke about the women in his life, such as Joanne Rio, and then the ice skater Sonia Henny, who he had a short relationship with. The lady doth protest too much. <laughs> mm. uh, the book was well received, and while Liberace chose to write his memoir while he was still at the height of his career, we chose to cover it long after the fact which is my segue announcing that we're moving on oh you don't want any follow-up on that one <laughs> that's it yep that's it uh All so right. by 1977 <laughs> liberace was playing and doing the same old song and dance routine he had been doing for quite some time when he received a call from george george told him that their father sam was quite sick and liberace needed to come see him in sacramento where he was living 
He didn't want to, but George insisted. Sometimes it takes a brother or a grandmother or a cousin or a family friend. Sometimes, despite being asked by multiple people, they don't even go. Yeah. I get it. Grief, uh, <laughs> grief, grief shows itself in many different ways, and sometimes just shutting it down and acting like it's not happening is a way to handle. Boom. It. Unfortunately, sometimes yeah, you really time... don't care. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I don't think we can get into this right now. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, every time Liberace had gone to see his father, he looked more fragile, smaller, and decrepit. When he finally went to go see his father this time, he had looked the worst he'd seen him yet. And to make matters worse, when he talked to Sam, his father didn't even recognize him. Now, this is the kind of trauma that I am familiar with. Dementia <laughs> is not good. It sucks. Oh, oh man. my God. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? People are turning it off. So left and right. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Um, both George and Liberace tried to persuade Sam that this man was, in fact, his son, Lee. But Sam wasn't having it. And Liberace left in a hurry. He then called George and said that he would not see Sam again, and he was correct. He was absolutely correct. <laughs> I, tell you, I don't think he willed Sam's death into existence, <laughs> but he just said that he was not going to see him again. And Sam Liberace died on mm. April 30th, 1977, at the age of 92. Liberace was saddened by this, but he moved on quickly, mainly because he had to, because he had far too much to take care of. It is really unfortunate to hear he didn't get to get the closure on the feud that they had between them, but yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, still a performer and he had contractually obligated shows to play and he had a life that he had to live. He had uh, become quite fond of all of his houses, all of his cars. And one thing he had was a bunch of dogs. He loved having dogs around, which he called his children. Mm -hmm. And um, much like the old houses that he purchased, he liked to buy them when they were past their prime and enjoyed working on them and loving him in his own way. Baby boy. <laughs> I see nothing wrong in taking in a stray here and there. You sure don't, buddy. And that's you why don't. you've got a dog. Today. today. You got today. a dog today. Literally, literally today. Yeah, I got a dog. It already has five. Not, I have five, six. Four, I, yep, yep, you're right. I had five, and now I have six. Yes, I have six dogs. Six dogs. Yep. He's got six dogs. He's got goats. He's got chickens. He's got guinea. He's got salamanders. No, he's got it all. I don't have chickens anymore. I only have ducks. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. That's just fine. Only ducks, huh? Yeah, only ducks. <laughs> Two pigs. Two pigs. Oh, Ethan's gonna. I've. I. We joke, but we've said we're gonna have to start paying admission to go over to Ethan's house to see all the like because it's a zoo. It's an effing zoo over there. <laughs> I guess if you're comfortable, then more power. <laughs> <laughs> but you, even uh, Ethan's, Eth even Ethan's amount of dogs could not compare to Liberace's. No. He had upwards of twenty dogs at one point, and he had five dogs, which he considered his favorites, and went everywhere with him. And I just got to say, as a parent, you can't do that. You can't just choose your favorite five out of twenty and just say these are my favorite <laughs> and say, "But I love them all, but these are my favorite." Uh, mm, I guess you can. Again, I get it. Every parent yep. has favorite kids. Whether they admit it or not. And for the rest of the dogs, they stayed at his various homes with his staff, and he would bring pictures of them and put them up in his hotel rooms, uh, much like how businessmen who travel put up their kids in hotel rooms and don't just hire hookers and 
<laughs> Man, I, I am uh, getting tired, I think. Uh, so great. he decided to try and make his Harold Way house into a museum slash B&B. And while it was a huge hit, with it getting more than 17,000 reservations in its first month, the neighborhood was not happy at all with the traffic <laughs> and influx of tourists. So it had to be shut down. But it gave him the idea that he wanted to have a museum of some sort somewhere all these goddamn cars coming in and out of the neighborhood all hours of the day going to this strip club or book club or whatever the hell it is scaring all the goddamn squirrels off the feeders i don't know why i buy the damn corn anymore i don't i don't know why a person from las vegas sounds like a person from the midwest but i love it and i also this, this is, is uh, in wisconsin this, buddy no this is la yeah say this is this one's la is it this oh, is I Harold thought he Way. tried to make it at his parents' house. Oh, no, he had one in Harold Way first, which is in L.A., and then the next one ah, he makes is in Wisconsin. But pretend you heard this in a little bit. <laughs> I think the accent is supposed to be like, all these fucking cars coming in and out of the neighborhood, all fucking all hours of the day. I'm yeah, also yeah, doing yeah, the Wisconsin accent. Just cut it. I'm trying. I'm trying. I was trying to do the old Cali surfer, and it didn't work. And uh, I, I might have written it a very specific way. I don't know. You didn't spell right. You're you're correct. So I, I do understand though why getting stripper glitter all over the street that the in the community that you live in might not be good. I do understand that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, fucking um, book club or whatever the hell. Yeah, who knows. <laughs> He had, uh, Liberace had too many outfits, cars, jewelry, candelabra, and anything else to just sit and collect dust. And so he thought a nice way to show it off would be to put it in a museum. His first thought after the Harold Way house was to open up a museum in his pseudo hometown, Milwaukee. Pseudo hometown, <laughs> Tony, yeah. This is the one. I, I, I will not leave yeah. my stance with the people of Wisconsin. I mean, I obviously I said... Not Milwaukee, but the Wisconsinites are good in my book. Triple down. Triple. Yeah, no, don't. We are. Ah, the views of some of us do not stand for the views of all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, much like Timmons did with Shania Twain, he thought that it would be a nice homage to his past to build a, a museum there. And it would bring in more people. But the locals different than Timmons weren't happy with this mm -hmm. museum and so that was also shut down so then he fell back on the city that loved him Las Vegas he bought a shopping mall near the strip for two million dollars and then turned it the 5,000 square foot building into the Liberace Museum here we go let's start turning money into some more money you gotta make your money make money I gotta, exactly mm -hmm. embrace the entrepreneurial spirit I can't even say mm. entrepreneurial that's a hard word to say <laughs> you wrote it yeah I wrote it but I can't can't say it. I do love that this 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 uh, shopping mall that he bought is smaller than most of his homes. That's just kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's like wild. a little strip mall with like an insurance company in it and like a Taekwondo studio. And he's like, yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So once it opened up, they could look at all his lavish outfits, some of his most elegant pianos, a couple cars, and then some other knickknacks and accoutrements. Oh, that's a that's a really fun word. Accoutrements. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. 
Happy I used it. Nice pick. Uh, yes, this museum was opened up on Easter Sunday, 1979, and it saw the crowds come in mass. It became the third most popular tourist attraction in Nevada, attracting over 100,000 guests a year. And the opening for the museum made a nice public place for George and Liberace to publicly reconcile their relationship, which had been estranged for quite some time after the Daily Mirror incident almost 20 years prior. Really the greatest gift Lee could give Francis in her twilight years. <laughs> twilight uh, years. Yeah, mm. Francis loved to see this reconciliation. Yes. Mm -hmm. George and his wife moved to Vegas to run the museum, and as we said, Francis was ecstatic to see her sons back together again. I mean, we've seen it, but I know from experience, if you get together with your siblings and have a really good time around your mother, your mother will be very happy. <laughs> That'll make her day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Take notes, people. This reconciliation, it's almost Mother's Day. Yeah, you got to make sure you do it, are- Do it, do it, do it. Your mother some flowers and make sure to call her now that's, that's the best gift you can give her <laughs> and uh this reconciliation was just in time francis nearly died in 1978 after an issue with her heart put her in critical care they worked on her but her heart didn't respond to any of the treatments angie was planning on getting arrangements together for what they thought was the inevitable Liberace, on the other hand, wasn't listening for, to anyone for a second. He was sure his 87-year-old mother would pull through. It's that old Polish blood, man. It's strong blood. That, uh, yeah, I, I'll agree with that. And mm -hmm. he was right. Yeah, I also agree with that. Ethan was right. Liberace was right. Everyone was right. <laughs> Much like Lee's kidney issues, she made a miraculous recovery and was able to leave the hospital to see her sons team up once again. I wouldn't be super surprised if she saw a nun as well. She probably did because mm -hmm. the nun's real. Yep. Um, she got to see Liberace. <laughs> she, got, um, she got to enjoy Liberace playing at his shows where he called her out to join in in the chants like he had done so many times before. Hey! <laughs> they were really, they, they did that. Yep. They play oh, yeah. tons hey. of times. Tons of times, yep. Liberace loved showing his mother off and she loved sharing his limelight. After years of practicing and encouraging and scolding and pressuring her son, Lee truly saw the success she she knew he was capable of, though it was in a much less formal sense than she was expecting. Cannot stress this enough. Pick a child. Make that the child. Put all your hopes and dreams into one. It makes it a lot easier to focus. All right. So <laughs> I know I know we have, down. we have a little gathering like coming up soon. We're going to we're all going to get together. And I think what we should do is we should get one piece of paper and we should write like alternate between my two kids' names on each line, split it all up, put it in a bowl and one of you two should pick like put your hand in mm -hmm. the bowl, pick one. I don't like where this is. Yeah, yeah, we pick one and I'm going to baby that child. I'm going to make that child the uh, future musical virtuoso I think. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Could be good. Yeah, I'm okay. good with it. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Very good with it. Yeah, break them down psychologically uh, into a machine that yes. can only exactly. do one thing and do it extremely well and make mm -hmm. you loads of money. Oh, yeah, I haven't heard anything wrong backfire. about this. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> It'll be perfect. Uh, yeah, Liberace moved her to her own condo in Las Vegas so that she could be closer to him. She would watch his shows, then go gamble at the casino afterwards. God, I hope... I don't really know her her gambling habits, but I hope that a lot of the time she spent at poker tables and just stone cold, just robbing people blind. She was, uh, <laughs> she was 
a slots player <gasps> through and through. Yeah, at one Slot point she lizard. actually fell and uh, broke her hip. And so since Liberace had such a good rapport with the Hilton, they sent her a couple slot machines to her house so that she could gamble on her own time. And then when she won, she would make Liberace pay her out of his own pocket, which he happily did. God, they squeezed every fucking morsel into that damn movie. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they paid her with a check in that scene, right? I think in that scene they did. I'm not sure how Liberace paid her in real life. I think it ends think with it, her saying, I'll take a check. Yeah, because he said, I don't have any money. Yeah, and then she said, I'll take a check. I'll take a check. <laughs> yeah, she said, I'll take a fucking check, kid. Don't give me my money. Give me a fucking check. <laughs> Witch or something. Jesus. You sound Russian, um, which it kind of works. Yeah, it actually makes more sense than you would think. Um, so Frances loved everything about her life. So it was surprising when one day she told Lee, quote, you know what would make me really happy? I would like to be able to walk with my dear sister and brothers again. And all of her siblings had passed away by this point. That's not a good sign just in terms of will to live. <laughs> sometimes, God. sometimes you've checked off the final check on your bucket list and you're ready to go. I get so it. Ready. Sometimes it happens sooner for other people. Yeah, Frances mm. was ready to die. And on November 25th, 1980, she passed away in her sleep at the age of 89. Lee was saddened by the loss, but he took solace in knowing that she was ready and now he was free. And her passing away was a blessing in disguise because Liberace's entire world was about to be turned upside down by the love of his life and his biggest enemy. It's finally time to talk about Scott Thorson and the rest of Liberace's life. I don't know what's going on. I wish I was trying to get it going while you were talking about Francis dying, but I was a little late. <laughs> it sounded from like it was so distant that it sounded like an ice cream truck coming in. It was just like I'm so Scottish that when I hear it, I just immediately know what it is. <laughs> yeah, it just makes you want haggis, so doesn't it? <laughs> it? Just makes me want to go out in the the Highlands and kill people with swords. Austin, if you want to add in a fucking bagpipe in the edit, <laughs> feel free. Feel free. Oh, got it. <laughs> All right. Here we go. It's finally time to talk about Scott Thorson and the rest of Liberace's life, which we will get to in the conclusion of Liberace, right here on On In 5. It only gets more interesting. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Story's been so freaking fun. God, yeah. Uh-huh. It's like an actual story with like a lot of details and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. Just a I'm wild having such ride. a good time with it. So that's uh, that's it for part three. Um, oh, if uh, great if you story. Want to yeah, if you want to find us on social media, you know where most of that is. We're on and five on everything: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, hmm. Website is we're on and five dot com. It's all the same. W-E- R E yeah no apostrophes nothing. Uh, I think that's probably gonna go away soon. We might just fucking bail on it. Who knows? I, I mean, it has not gotten much use. <laughs> Man, I say, is it really doing anything? I don't know. Oh, it's there. It's there. It, it exists. exists in yeah. The yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Do you know what also exists though? Patreon does. Our Patreon. Heyo. <laughs> Uh, and I tell you what, buddy, we're we are hitting that sucker up daily. So if you if you really want to get in touch with us, do it. 
Patreon's the way to place. do it. Yeah, that's where all the people are. Uh, if you could like us and review us on iTunes, would be awesome. Just give us some stars or something. Follow please. us on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah, you want to do, like, don't let us tell you what to do, but it would yeah. be cool. Um, helps us a l- just a little bit. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we, here's the thing. We want y'all to be good out there. We want y'all to be mm-hmm. safe out there. Yeah. We really want you to come back in two weeks. Like, we do. Oh, next we week, even wonderful, <laughs> wonderful conclusion, yes, uh, to this incredible story. And I got to tell you, it gets really sad and really dark and Liberace <laughs> yep. uh, uh, basically <laughs> loses his mind. So yeah. take that for the teaser it is. And uh, they, they made it like a scene from a horror film. Yeah, and he's just that. he's just laying there, and he's not good. I feel like uh, probably he's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so come back for that. It's gonna be fun, everybody. We're we're gonna go through the whole thing, whole story, part four, wrapping it up. We are wrapping it up, and we cannot be more excited. So yes, we will see you soon. Uh, be safe out there, and we love you. Know, Bye. Yeah. yeah, we love you so much. Yep. <laughs> Learn how to roll your tongue. <laughs>